wrapping up the book of Jonah. We are in Jonah chapter 4, and so I'd encourage you. Boy, I'm little. Wow, that's cool. Um, Jonah chapter 4. Uh, go ahead and pull out your Bibles. I say every week, right? Bring your Bibles with you. We read our Bibles. We study our Bibles. This is the year in the Bible, and actually this is how New Hope preaches. This is what we do. We go through books of the Bible, and, um, and if you have haven't been with us. We're in this Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet called by God, and we see his, he was a historical character, not fictitious, like he was a historical prophet of God, and we see him um, in the Old Testament farther back. We see him in the New Testament. Jesus references back to Jonah, like Jesus, or Jonah is a real dude, and he really walked the earth, and he really experienced all the things we're talking about through these chapters, and we're going to wrap up now with chapter four, and um, in chapter four, uh, we'll see, uh, there might be some twists and turns in the sermon this morning. Um, we want you every week to be getting into God's Word with us, and so that's why we give you guys uh, the reading plans that we do. Those of you, I, just, I do want to see, uh, uh, just show of hands, how many of you do this with us every week? Just show of hands, whoever does that with us. All right, awesome, thank you. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're invited to join us um, because uh, we want to help you get into God's Word every week. Uh, it's not just a matter of coming, going to a buffet on Sundays, and then you'll starve the rest of the week, right? If you eat once a week physically, you're going to be hungry the rest of the week. We want you to eat every day with God. We want you to be in God's Word, feast on His Word, grow in His Word, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in His Word. So um, so grab one of these reading plans, and you can join along with us. Actually, next week, um, if you're watching real time with us, next week we're doing the book of Jude, and how many of you got this with, okay, you got that? All right, so instead of like this giant pamphlet, it's just one Sunday, it's one book, it only has one chapter, all right, so it's like a one-off book of Jude next Sunday, and so we did want to provide a reading plan for you, so that is for this week, this starts tomorrow, Um, you can start that reading plan with us through the, through the uh, book of Jude, and uh, and some of you are like, wow, that's, I can read that book, (laughs) one chapter, y'all, all right, so y'all can do it with us. Um, as we go through that. It's in the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. Um, But we want you to be uh, getting into God's Word. We want you to also be memorizing God's Word. And so we've had a memory verse for this book, the book of Jonah, and it's a reminder of us when we're in trouble. It's a reminder of us when things aren't going right. Who do we call out to? We call out to our Heavenly Father. We call out to God, right? And that's, that's what the verse in Jonah 2.7, that's what he did when he finally hit rock bottom. He did that. Hopefully you don't hit rock bottom before you call out to God. It's a lot better if you do it the way the Ninevites did, is the moment you get the word, you call out to God. We learned that last week. Jonah was stubborn. It took him so many down, 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 down to finally call out to God. Jonah went and preached the message to Nineveh, an evil city, and immediately they all repent and turn to God. I'm telling you, I'd rather be like the Ninevites and repent and turn to God as fast as I can, right? And so either way, we know this is true. Everybody read this with me. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Our prayer goes somewhere. It just doesn't like hit a ceiling and then back down. Hit a ceiling, back down. Like when we pray to God, he hears us. Now, sometimes you feel like, I don't feel like he's hearing me. And if you want um, to understand prayer and how that works more, we did a whole series last summer. Actually, we did a whole series on prayer. And uh, you can go back and watch it. I talk about red light, yellow light, green light prayers. Anybody remember that one, right? So like sometimes God gives us a red light prayer and that's because he's protecting us from something or we're not ready for it. So he, it, you may be saying, he's not answering me. And he said, he may be answering you and it's a red light. It's a no. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes he, he's preparing us for an answer. Sometimes he's praying, preparing other situations for an answer. But here's what I do know, without a doubt, is when we pray to God, he hears us. 
We have a God who hears our prayers. We can pray loud. We can pray quiet. We can praise him. We can bring requests. We can be on the mountain. We can be in the valley, wherever you are. God will hear your prayer. Isn't that a good, good encouragement today? Somebody needs to hear that this morning. God is a God who hears, and he hears your prayers, okay? So let's hop right into it. I got a lot to, uh, oops, I got a lot to, uh, um, to jump into. So we're going to use our time well. Everybody got your notes out? Some fill in the blanks? All right. How many of you, um, and I ask this question quite a bit, but maybe you've read a book. We got any book readers? People who just love, you can't wait to get the next book. All right. I can't relate to you. Okay. So um, <laughs> I like listening to a good book. Like I, I'm the audible guy. Like I can't, I'm dyslexic and it really, I get a headache when I read. Um, but some of you just love books and you love a good book. How many of you love like a book with a good, bad character, like an evil character in it? Like that good tension. You like that kind of book? It's like, oh, what's going to happen? How many of you are more like movie people? You got movie people? Like those of you who like, I'll, I'll watch, I'll read the book when it comes out on Netflix, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> So like, <laughs> that was me all through high school. It was bad. Um, so like uh, movies. So I'm going to talk more about movies today, but some of you could connect with this. There's something about a movie where there's this good versus evil thing that happens, right? And it's in like almost every single story. We, we need this dark and this light, this tension between somebody good and right and somebody who's bad and evil. And, uh, and there's been movies made about this all the time, it, but there's something about us. We love it when the bad guy gets what he deserves, don't we? Like when the bad guy just gets it. Some movies I was thinking about was Back to the Future. Anybody watch Back to the Future, 1985? That moment right there where Biff gets the manure dumped on him. It's like, yeah, you jerk. You know, like you feel good about like, you can't do that. Um, that's like one of those like, yeah, you, you got it. You know, uh, what about Princess Bride? My name is Negro Mantoya. You kill my father, prepare to die. Right? Like when you get to that moment in the scene where he is now saying it and he's like, boom, he's in it and it's revenge and like the bad guy's going to get it. It's like, you know, you want the bad guy to get it. Star Wars fans, we got some Star Wars fans. This moment right here, right, where uh, Emperor uh, Palpatine is, gets thrown over by Darth Vader and he gets yeeted and he dies, all right? So like, if you didn't watch the movie, episode six, I gave it away. Um, it's been out for a little bit, all right? Just a little bit. 1970, what's about as old as me? See, we love it when evil loses. We love it when the good guy has revenge. We love it when it all comes together in those scenes, right? Like some 007 movies, you like those, or Bourne movies, or like the really adventurous ones where they're like, like blood and guts and all sorts of stuff. You're like, yeah, you know, some of you are in, into that kind of stuff. Um, some of you are more like the romance where it's like, I just love it when they kiss in the end. All right. So I'm not talking about those books. Sorry. That's a whole nother sermon. It's when we go through the Song of Solomon. All right. We'll get into that book and then we'll talk about those books. Um, but we love it when justice is served, don't we? Like for us as a country, there was a moment. Nobody will remember September 11th or forget September 11th, right? You will never forget that. Some of you are like so young, you're like, I was like really little when it happened. Some of you, you know exactly where you were when that moment happened. It was a historic moment that devastated us as a nation, but it brought unity in a way that I don't think we've ever experienced again. And uh, yet in that moment, we were all focused on one person. Who was that person? Osama bin Laden. Because he was the terrorist. He was the one that planned this whole thing. And there was a date in May 2nd, 2011, when there was a siege on his house, and finally, he got his. I think there was a national just, <sighs> when that moment happened. Why? Here's why. You can, fill, you can fill in the blank here. When we see evil, we want justice. 
right? When we see evil, we don't, there's something in us that knows we don't want to see that evil continue, that evil shouldn't be there. Like, there's something in us, just so you know, it's God put that in us. When we see it, we want justice. We want justice to come to that person. We want them to get their due, what they deserve. We want them to be in jail or to be executed or to be whatever. Like, we want justice in the moment when we see evil. And when we think about somebody like Osama bin Laden, like all of us in this room would say, yeah, we want that. Now, why am I talking about this? Because we're in Jonah chapter 4, and we're going to see a prophet who was right here. He saw evil in Nineveh, right? You know how I've described Nineveh. Nineveh was the terrorist city. It was a place that ruled with fear and control over all the other Or Assyria, and, and they ruled with fear, control, with, with brutality, with evil. And the Jews, like, were, they, whew, they did not like them. They hated them. And so Jonah's like, I don't want to go. And Jonah ran. And God said, no. And then he had to go and preach the message. But even after he preaches the message, and we see the whole city repent. The whole city pray and fast. The whole city humble themselves from the king down to the smallest cat, right? It said even the animals, don't let them eat. Put them in the dust. We're all going to be in the dust together. And maybe God will relent. And God did relent. And he showed them something that we're going to talk about today. But Jonah is ticked off in chapter four. Is there anyone in your life that you've been so angry with that you would not even want God to save them. Right? Here's Jonah. That is right where Jonah is sitting. He hates them so bad. It's like, God, they don't deserve you or your salvation. And he goes on a hill and he looks over at this city to see what's going to happen next. We'll, we'll, get the, we'll read that here in chapter 4. <clears throat> so here, are you feeling the tension? All right, because this is the tension of what happened, though, right at the end of chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their evil way, then God relented. He relented of the disaster which he had declared he would bring on them, so he did not do it. He didn't destroy them. He relented. He showed them mercy. Okay, ready for chapter 4? Yes? Yes? Everybody in? All right, if you're with me, say, yep. Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 1. Here's Jonah. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. (laughs) Right? Right at the beginning. You get to Jonah. He's a man of God. And he's like, I don't like this, God. I don't like what you're doing here with these people. He seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now we see Jonah's heart. He just pours it out in front of us and to God. He's like, the reason I ran away to the depths of a heart wasn't just fear. It's because, God, I know who you are, and I didn't want them to experience you. That's why Jonah ran away. Talk about a prejudiced, racist jerk, (laughs) right? He's like, I don't want them to have you. You're ours, He's a Jew. He's like, God, you're our God. You're not anybody else's. You're, you're ours. And I ran away because I knew your character. You're gracious. You're compassionate. You're bound in love. You don't want to bring calamity. That's not your desire, God. 
That's why I ran away. And now he's ticked, okay? Let's keep reading. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Get ready, because he says that multiple times in this chapter, right? He's like, I'm so ticked off. I'm so angry. I'm so whatever. I'm not going to go back to Jerusalem. I'm not going to go back to my people. No way. Just kill me now. Put me out of my misery. You should have done it when I was in the whale, because that way I would have won. They wouldn't have heard. But now I'm just done. Put me out of my misery. Let's see how God replies. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Hmm. I could do a whole sermon on that chap, that verse right there, couldn't I? <laughs> Anybody have ever been angry with God? Yeah. yeah. If we all get real, like there's been times I've been ticked off with God. <laughs> like why, why is this happening? Why is this going, what, what's your deal? What's going on, God? Like there's been times, I think all of us have been with, and, and the thing is God is so loving and so patient with us. He just doesn't smite us. <laughs> he doesn't, yeah. all right, that's why. All right, stop. Just stop whining, complaining a little. Like he, he may ask us a question though. Do you have a right to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry? He says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Now he's like, okay, God, are you gonna, like what? Maybe if I just hang out a little bit, maybe God's going to, they're going to do something stupid, and right away, boom, God's going to smite them. Like, I just, maybe. So he's, he's watching. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was what? Very happy. Hmm. About the plant. He was angry about the situation, but he was happy about his own comfort. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, <clears throat> excuse me, which chewed the plant so that it withered. Who provided the plant? God did. Who provided the worm? God did. Okay, God's up to something with Jonah. He's messing with him. <clears throat> he says this, uh, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would have been better for me to die than to live. Number two. He's like, he's like, he's like. Do you know what happened? Did you mute me or pull me down? Huh? All right. Am I, am I on though? But I'm not as loud. You pulled me down? Boy, God wanted to say something, right? He's like, <laughs> everybody awake? All right, we good? So, and said, it would be better for me to, to die than to live. So now he's sitting his own discomfort. He's, he's angry, and now he's uncomfortable. And he's like, now I'd rather just be done, just dead, just be done with me, right? Let's keep reading. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, <laughs> and I am so angry. Say it with me. I wish I were dead. Jonah, come on. You're being a butt, right? Like, come on. You're talking to God. And God's like, really? Do you have a right to be angry? Yes. Yes, it is. It's okay. For, I, I should be angry. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. He said, and should I, listen to the heart of God, 
And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's the end of the chapter. It seems like there should be chapter 5, doesn't it? It just kind of ends, and you're like, okay, that's all we get. And I think it's okay that's all we get, because God just made his point. God made his point to Jonah. And, and I want to pull out a couple of these points about Jonah's character, and about God's character, about you and me, and about God, okay? And the first thing that I see with Jonah is that he is more concerned about his own comfort than he is about a whole city going to hell. Let's fill in the blank, shall we? Are you more concerned about your comfort rather than others going to hell? <clears throat> Jonah seemed like a, <clears throat> a calloused, self-righteous, judgmental, racist, angry prophet. And when God did what God does, Jonah was more concerned about that leafy plant, about his own comfort with the wind, than he was about that whole city. I would say more concerned about even the least in that city. He wasn't even concerned about the women and children in that city. He was concerned about his own comfort over the ones who were going to hell. When I say hell, like if you don't know, hell's a real place. Like hell is ultimate destruction. Hell is, is a, a place of, of torment. Hell is complete separation from God's presence. Like hell is a real place. I know the world and the culture wants to erase hell. And it's like, no, everybody gets in heaven. It's okay. It's not how it works. And I'll explain why in a minute, okay? And, and, how, and why there is a heaven, why there is a hell, what, what we're going through here on this earth while we live in it. See, Jonah, when we look at his character, is one way. Callous, self-righteous, judgmental. Then we look at God's character. How did he describe God, or how did Jonah describe God? Compassionate, gracious, loving, and merciful. Do you see a difference between the two characters? Yeah? Just a little bit? Just a little bit of difference. Okay, how far do I want to go with this? Let's see how far do I want to go with this. This is my thinking song. Here's a reality. America is Jonah. The American church is Jonah. Because it's way more interested in its own comfort as Christians than the person next to you spending an eternity separated from God. We live in the greatest point of history where we have access to God's word. We have access to good preaching. We have access to training. We have access to discipleship. We have access to small group. You have access to everything you possibly want, but all that access has just made you comfortable and not put you on the mission God put Christians on to begin with. My question is, are you Jonah or are you like God? Do you get angry when you see somebody you hate come to know Christ? 
I would hope not. Some of you may never know because you never talked to them. And you've never prayed for them. And you've never worked with them to see God. I would say probably like 90% of us, 98% of us. And I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Like I'm preaching to myself, guys. I need you to hear this loud and clear. When we see chapter 4 of Jonah, we see the heart of a God who is calling out even to the worst and darkest places in the world, drawing and calling people to him in his presence because why? He's loving, he's gracious, he's compassionate, and he wants to show mercy to everyone. That is the heart and the character of God. Let me, here's the next fill in the blank. God is actively pursuing the lost and calling them to himself. That is what God is doing right now. God is not bored in heaven. Jesus is not just like just hanging out, chilling after he like conquered death and he rose again and went to heaven. He's not like, it's on them now. Like Jesus is calling, actively pursuing people, bringing them into his presence, like calling and showing them his love and his compassion and his grace and his mercy, all those things. He's, it's like he's, his hands are like this, going like this all the time. This is who God is. This is the character of God. This is the presence of God. This is the love of God. And we as a people of God should be exactly like God, constantly doing the same thing. I want you to know the love of God. I want you to experience the mercy of God. I want you to experience the grace that I have received because I don't deserve an ounce of that grace. And I'm telling you, I know the one who gave it to me. His name is Jesus. I want you to know who I know because he saved me. He can save you. I've been saved but not in my own power. I know I couldn't do it. I'm a sinner. Listen to the heart of God. I want to read a few passages from the book of Luke. And I'm excited. We're actually in the fall. We're going to end this year going through the whole book of Luke, which is so cool that we're going to do that because we started a little bit of the book of Luke at Easter. You guys remember that? We Luke 22, 23, 24. We did the end of the book of Luke. And then we went into Acts. Do you know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke did, all right? So, and, and now we're kind of like dabbling in Luke, and then we're going to do Luke, and then we're going to get to Christmas, and we're going to read the Christmas story in the book of Luke. So, okay, y'all ready? You can cheat. You can read the book, okay, um, if you want to. But I, I, I could not talk about this active pursuing that God is doing for lost people all around. Um, not sure why. Okay. Is it recording? So, for me, this is a big deal. It says no audio on the stream, which is about 50, 60, 100 people that watch us every single weekend. And it means Satan is a jerk, and somebody needs to hear something this morning. And if I have to re-preach this later, I'm going to re-preach it later. Um, So, God, let's stop right now. So, God, I, I, I pray right now for all of us in this room. I pray for those that uh, aren't hearing us in this moment but need to. I pray, God, that you will um, just fix whatever needs fixed by the power of your Spirit. You know every wire, you know every plug, you know, you know all, all, parts, all of the the parts of the internet. And so, God, I'm praying that uh, you will fix it, that you'll make it work, and that they'll hear what I'm preaching, because somebody needs to hear it this morning out online. And so we're going to trust you in Christ's name. Everybody say amen with me. Amen. amen. I'm willing to stop for a second. Is it, is it working now? Do you know? 
Is that? Okay. Well, I got to well, keep, keep preaching. Do we know why it's doing that? Oh, you got it? They're hearing it? Yes? Okay. Hey, welcome online. Glad you're with us. Uh, join us in the stream. Thank you, guys. Because um, if you're just joining us online, thank you for hanging in there with us, all right? So, because here's the thing. We're talking about God is actively pursuing the lost and calling them to himself. That is what God is doing right now. Um, this is what I know, Luke 19, 10. Jesus said this about himself. This is what he's up to. For the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's calling the lost. He's seeking them out. He's pulling them in by the power of the Spirit into a relationship with him. That is what God is doing right now. That is at the heartbeat of our Savior, of what he did for us and what he's continuing to do. You get into Luke chapter 15, probably one of my favorite chapters because it shows the direct heart of God. It's, it's the chapter of the lost things, right? There, there's, there's parables that Jesus starts to teach. This is how the kingdom of heaven works. And as, as he shares these parables, the one parable, I want to read the, the second one in that passage in Luke 15, verse 8. It says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Like, if you lost a lot of money, it's not just a coin. It's a gold coin, it's a pirate coin, it's worth a million dollars. Are you going to go in your house and turn it upside down to find that thing? Oh, yeah. Yes, when you find it, you're going to rejoice that you have found that coin. Right? In the same way, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you know what causes a party in heaven? When a sinner comes to Jesus. That's a party starting process right there. We party about way lesser things here on earth. We party about our own comfort. Boy, I have that stream is working. I can watch Netflix now. Oh boy, I have a new app on my phone. Oh boy, I, I'm glad this, that, you know, we, we, pick your comfort. We rejoice over things that are idiotic, stupid, and wastes of time. And God is saying, you celebrate the things that don't matter, and you don't even think about the things that eternally matter. He's saying, if you want to be a part of heaven, if you want to be a part of God's mission, if you want to be a part of what he's up to, the thing that causes a party in heaven, it's when a lost person comes to Christ. I want to be a party starting church, y'all. I want to be a church where the prodigal comes home and we celebrate like crazy because I know that is what God is up to. I don't want to be Jonah. I don't even want to have an ounce of Jonah in me. I mean, I don't even want an inkling of Jonah in this scene. I want full presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit working in Jesus through me. And we as Christians, if you are a Christ follower in the room, if you're not a Christian, just so you know, you can listen in. I'm talking to the Christians. I'm making them feel real guilty on purpose, all right? Because they should feel it. If you're not a Christian, here's the good news. You didn't buy into any of this yet? I say yet. Because my prayer is that God is calling you to him. If you're not a Christ follower, that you understand who God is. And I want to apologize for those who are around you who haven't told you about him. They haven't loved you enough to say, this is who Jesus is and what he did for me. I'm sorry. 
Because for us as Christians, we are called to invite others to God's house. We're called to it. It's not just to let the pastor do it. We pay him to do that. We pay him to be the one that like, talks to people. We'll let him present the gospel. And I will present the gospel every week here at New Hope Church. All right, I will not go without presenting Jesus Christ to any ear who will hear it. But we are all, all of us in this room are called to invite others to God's house. Another passage in Luke, Luke 14, verse 23. It's, it's a parable Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven is like an owner of an estate and the master is throwing a party and he invites all those that are royals and the important people, but none of them can come. They're all busy. And he sends his servants back out and he says, well, if they're not going to come, this is what I want you to do. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and do what? Say it with me. Compel, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. God wants a full house. God wants more and more people in his house. And when it's talking about his house in this moment, he's talking about eternity. He's talking about heaven because he's teaching on the kingdom of heaven. He wants a full heaven. And God is providing every opportunity to fill it up. And the crazy thing is he invites you and me to be those that go out. Go out to the country lanes. Go out to the roads and compel them to come in. Because I want my house to be full. So challenge number one for us in this room as Christ followers, do we care more about our comfort spiritually? Do we care more about our comfort in church? Do we care more about our comfort in, in, our, in our own walk with God over God's heart for the lost and those who are going to hell around me? I can't answer that for you. I feel like I can kind of prophetically answer that for the church in America, that we're too comfortable. We have way too many comforts. How, why do I know that? Because if I take you to a place that has zero comforts as a church, if I take you to a country where they're not even supposed to be meeting, I'll show you people who are way more passionate than you all. I'll show people who are willing to give up way more than you'd be willing to give up. They would, they would give whatever they can just to have one book of the Bible to read and to memorize together. And they're way more passionate and they're way more enthusiastic about reaching the lost around them, even though they're not supposed to do it. We may have too much freedom in our country because it's made us comfortable, religiously comfortable. Why is God actively pursuing the lost and calling them to himself? Okay, so now let's, let's talk about the next level of God's character, okay? Man, I only have 15 minutes to do this, and we'll see what happens. The reason God is calling people to his loss is because the other part of his character. See, our God is a God, and you can fill in the blank here, our God is a God of justice, mercy, and grace, okay? Our God is a God of justice, mercy, and grace. And I want us to fully understand these three things this morning, okay? Before you leave, you're going to be able to define justice, you're going to be able to define mercy, and you're going to be able to define grace and, and understand why we need Jesus, okay? That, that's my hope uh, this morning, that you will be able to understand this really, really well, and, 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 uh, and that it'll make a difference for you spiritually. Okay, so let's first talk about justice, and I put them all on one screen, so if you want to write them down, you can, or take a picture, whatever you want to do. But justice, right? At the beginning of this message, I talk, we love it when evil gets its due, right? We love when there's justice against evil. We love it, unless it's us, Right? 
Okay, anybody ever been pulled over by a cop? Okay, good. Anybody in here a cop? Okay, I didn't know if our, okay, we have a couple that come here. I'm like, okay, I was just going to invite you to show me mercy if you ever pull me over. That's what I was going to do. Because whenever, whenever we get pulled over by a cop, we don't want justice in that moment, do we? Like, we speed, we did something wrong, justice is, here's your ticket, right? See, justice is getting what we deserve, right? When we do something bad, it's getting what we deserve for that thing that we did bad. It's paying the price of that thing, whatever that thing is. That's what justice is. It has to do with morality, right? Morality rules truth, right and wrong. Justice is a great thing. Justice protects the righteous, and it punishes the sinner and the lawbreaker, that seems right in our eyes, doesn't it? That's what justice does. We're glad we, we live in a, a country that has a sense of justice. Some of you are like, I don't think it's that just. And, and there's, no matter where you are, there's going to be sinners who, who are trying to do stuff, all right? So it's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect until we're in heaven. God's perfect justice will be played out at the end of all things, okay? God will give to those as he sees fit. That's God, and that's his justice, right? So justice is getting what you deserve when you do something wrong. Now mercy, mercy is not getting the bad we deserve, right? When that cop pulled you over and you were like, I was going really fast. Like, we're not talking like a $20 ticket, you know? You're talking like some points off your driver's license, like, oops, I didn't know it was a school zone, you know, that type of situation, right? You're like, this is going to go south. My insurance is going to go up. Like, all sorts of bad things are going to happen because I just got caught, and he's ready to serve justice in that moment, and what are you hoping for? Mercy. I know I was doing the wrong thing. I know I'm caught. I know the law. Um, you know, and you're just praying for a warning, right? Can I just, just, just next time, just do a little bit better? You know, like, oh, I've had those moments of mercy with a cop before, um, and I am so grateful for those moments of mercy. One of them, actually, when I was out preaching between two campuses, I, I was preaching here, and we had a campus in northwestern Wayne County, and I drove between. I'd preach, and then I'd drive up there and preach, and I'd drive back and preach, and just so you know, pastor sped a little bit in that process like I had to get to where I was going and uh, so that the band could stop singing the song and so I could get up on stage and be like oh hi everybody and like then I'd preach my message but one time the sheriff was parked where I didn't know he would park and he pulled me over and I was going a little fast and and he said why are you going so fast sir and I'm like oh crap well I'm a pastor <laughs> and I just preached at a campus on my way to preach to another campus. Talk about the ultimate guilt, right? It's like, it's like Jesus, ha, 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 you know, kind of a moment. Like the whole shebang. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And it would have, I say, it would have been a bit, big ticket, okay? He, he got back, and he probably got on the, okay, guys, I got a good one, you know, like kind of a thing. And he's like talking and whatever. And then uh, and he comes back, and he says, okay, pastor. He says, I think that your uh, congregants want you to stay alive. Please slow down and just give me a warning. And, uh, and by that time, that gathering was watching me on video, all right? So, like, I couldn't make it back. I was so grateful for that moment of mercy. I talk about the most guilty moment of speeding I've ever experienced in my entire life. I didn't get what I deserved, right? We love mercy. We love it. We don't love it when we see somebody who deserved justice get it, like Jonah, 
and the Ninevites. He did not want them to get mercy. He wanted them to experience God's justice. They're evil. Smite them, O smighty God. Right? That's mercy, not getting the bad we deserve. But then there's this whole other level of God. Did you hear how he described God? Compassionate, gracious, loving, merciful. This grace is getting the good we don't deserve. Y'all with me? Grace is getting the good you'd never deserved. Okay? Justice, mercy, and grace. It would have been as if, if that moment for me, I got pulled over, I deserved justice, dang it, I should have gotten a fat ticket and some points, to be honest with you. That sheriff looked at me and said, okay, I want you to stay alive. I'm going to show you some mercy. And then if he said, now let me get ahead of you, I'm going to turn my lights on, you follow me as fast as you can. That would have been grace, right? (laughs) That would have been like, you don't deserve this, you are going way too fast, Like, but I'm going to bless you even though you don't deserve blessing. You with me? That's God's grace. God gives us things that we never, ever would ever deserve. The biggest grace he gives us is that he is with us. The fact that a holy and perfect, righteous God in heaven is surrounded by his glory would even make a way for us to be in his presence, in his glory is his ultimate and total grace over us. That is who God is. So we wrestle with this about God. If God is a just God, just to be honest with you, like this is, this is how salvation works. Justice is us getting what we deserve. To be honest with you, all of us are sinners. Like all of us in this room. I might be the worst of you. I don't, I'm not here to judge you, but this is what I'm saying. We all are wrong in the sight of God's perfection and holiness. We all sin. We all fall short. Every single one of us. And we deserve justice for the things and the sins that we have done. If God is a just God, his justice should be served on us for our sins. Do you know what the cost of our sins is? Death. That is the cost of sin. That is why death entered into the world. That is the moment of brokenness when it came in. Death entered in. And then death for us isn't just death like, boom, we're, we're not living on this planet more, but now there's this eternal part of our soul of who we are, and death now separation from God forever. That is the just due of sin. And yet God... In his love and his compassion, sees you, sees me, saw Nineveh, and says, I want to show them mercy because that is a part of my character. I'm a just God, but I don't want to send them all away from me. I want to be with them. I'm not going to give them the bad they deserve. But the thing is, they can't pay for it. They can't, we can't do it in our own power. We can't, like, there's no karma. There's no, like, I'm going to be good enough to outweigh the bad, and when I die, I'm going to make it. Like, that doesn't work. When it's in your account, it's in your account. And it's there for your whole life. And God says, no, I'm going to show them mercy. 
the view of mercy for us is the cross. Cross is the greatest sign of mercy. Jesus didn't deserve to hang on that cross. God, who's a just God, said, you, Jesus, are now going to pay for and show mercy on, you're going to get the bad that all of them deserve, that everyone deserves, and you're going to take it on the cross, and you're going to conquer death, and you're going to raise again three days later, and you're going to bring new life. God's mercy is the cross. God's mercy over us is Jesus Christ. It's him wanting us to be forgiven of our sins. Justice is Jesus took your place for your sentence and finished it. And then he says, not only mercy, now I want to just flood them with grace. Now I just want to give them what they don't deserve. Eternal life, I want to be with them forever. I want to bless them with my presence. I want to give them my Holy Spirit, God's presence inside of them, so they can learn to walk and look more like me and look more like the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give them my word, the scriptures, so that they can read and know about me and my love for them. I'm going to give them everything they need, God's grace that you didn't deserve, but he wanted to give it so you can walk with him. That is the God of grace. He is a God of grace upon grace. Every morning, his grace and his mercy is new. He just loves us so daggum much, we don't deserve it. That is the message of the gospel. Justice for sin is death. Mercy over us is the cross, and grace is heaven. We don't deserve it, but he invites us to it. I'm telling you, this is the heartbeat of God. And when we get to Jonah 4, our wrestling point is, are we with God or are we with ourselves? Are we trying to earn it in our own power and strength? Are we trying to do this law legalism thing? Like, I'm good enough for you, God. See, I'm good enough for you. And he's like, no, you're not. But I still love you. I know you're not good enough, but I love you. You don't have to earn that. You don't have to, like, win that. You don't have to be, like, the good kid in the family. Like, no, I love you. I love the Ninevites, and they were the worst kids, by the way. And I loved them. And you might be a little bit better than Ninevites, but still, you're not the best. Jesus was the best. And I loved him. And now his love, my love for him is now for you. And today, my question for all of us in this room is are we going to be like Jonah? Or are we going to be like God? And if we have a relationship with God, are we going to be wrecked by his grace every day? Or are we going to slowly slide into comfort and take it for granted? I don't want to be comfortable. I want to be wrecked in God's grace every day. I want to understand the weight of the cost of his mercy. I want to be filled up by the power of his spirit. I want to be hungry for the power and presence in my life of God. I want us all as a church to walk into that together. I just want to take some time and respond, and I want to pray and, and let God just work in us a little bit, okay? So you guys just, let's just take a moment of response. Let's, let me pray for all of us. God, uh, first God, just thank you for helping the stream work and for people to be able to hear this part of the message and and I pray they are hearing this. I, I pray for those of us in the room, God, who are gathered together, and, and we, need, we need you more than anything, God. We, we, don't, 
We, we don't need anything else. We just need you. And so whatever you want to say, Holy Spirit, as we take some quiet space that we normally, some of us don't get in our week, as we just take some quiet before you and we just kind of rest our souls a little bit, we just, I just want, Holy Spirit, I just want you to speak to our hearts. And the first thing I want to do, God, is I want to hold my hands open and I want to say this, God, I give you everyone and I give you everything. I've been trying to control things. I've been trying to do things my own way. God, as a church, I want us to confess you hold everyone and you hold everything. You know each of our story. You know each of our situation. You know, you know our doubts. You know our joys. You, I mean, you know every single piece about us this morning. And I know and trust, God, that you are speaking to each of us this morning. Jonah chapter 3 and 4 teaches me some things here. God is a just God. He loves showing mercy and he loves pouring out grace. But God is never obligated to do any of it. God is never obligated to give you mercy. Just like that sheriff was not obligated. It was his choice to show me mercy or not show me mercy. God is never obligated to show us mercy. The good thing about God is so often he chooses to show us mercy. The only guaranteed way to experience God's mercy and grace, there's only one guaranteed way to do it, and if you haven't done this, I'm telling you this is the only way you get it from God, is when you do what the Ninevites did and you humble yourself and you repent, that's when God says, my mercy's right there. My forgiveness is right there. My presence is right there. And today, some of you need to do that. You need to stop. You need to be with God. You need to repent of sin in your life. Say, God, I keep doing that. I keep doing it over and over again. Please forgive me of my sins. And immediately, his mercy shows up. That's the only moment of obligation that we see throughout Scripture when God says, yep, I'm there, no matter what. When you humble yourself, he's there. So if you want that today and you want God's forgiveness, uh, just ask for it. Just talk to him. Just pray. He hears you. Say, God, forgive me. In Luke 15, there's a last parable, or there's a, a first parable that talks about the parable of the lost sheep, where a shepherd takes a hundred of his sheep out. One of them runs away and runs far away. And that shepherd sees the, the 99 there and he says, I need to go find the lost one. And he leaves the 99 and he runs after to find that one lost sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he puts that sheep up over his shoulders. That sheep no longer is carrying the burdens of its own wandering and brings it back to the 99 and says, let's party. Let's celebrate I found my lost sheep. That is what God is doing right now in this moment. Some of you are lost and you've been running and Jesus is walking after you. And you've been carrying burdens that you were never meant to carry. And God is saying, let me carry those. Let me carry you. 
but you have to humble yourself and confess your sin and I will be with you and I'll forgive you of your sin and then you can have a relationship with me. That is the gospel. Christ paid for the just um, sentence of your sin on the cross. He paid for it. God's mercy was on the cross. He conquered death. He rose again on the third day and when he came back to life, he showed us what life and grace can look like. We get all of God's righteousness covering us. That's God's grace. We get all of what Jesus had now into our account. That's God's grace. And if you want that, I want to pray in a moment. I want you to accept Christ into your own life and pray and receive him today. And then we're going to sing a song after a moment of quiet and silence that makes that proclamation. He ran after me, and I'm so grateful that he ran after me. And so if you want Christ, let's all bow our heads right now. If you want Christ, you can just ask him. You can, you can just pray to him. Make it your own words. You can say this. Say, God, I've been trying my own way for way too long. I've been wandering away from you for way too long. And I know you're calling me to your presence. Your mercy is calling me. And so I want to ask God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you heal me? heal my heart? Would you accept me as your son or as your daughter? And I'm humbling myself before you, God, knowing that Jesus is your son and he died on the cross for my sins. And I confess, God, that it's only through him that I can be with you. And I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for your grace. So give me your Holy Spirit and Christ in my heart and life. And lead me, God. I'm yours now and forever. I want to be yours. It's in Christ's name I pray this alone. Amen. Amen. And all of us in this room, God, as we just take a moment...